It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. It is December 23rd's edition of Locked on Jazz, an offensive issue for the Jazz. Why is Toronto so good offensively? Rudy's presence at the rim and a pack Friday. Who are the top five most impactful offensive players? There's a surprise in there. We'll talk about it. Plus, tonight we see the two hottest NBA offensive players. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On NBA with Zach Harper wraps up the week, and I don't think I'll have a new one out uh, for you next week. So Quinn Snyder and Zach Harper are sitting there. Both are pretty timeless. Zach and I talk about why the top has not popped off the uh, trade windows and why uh, why that hasn't happened uh, as of yet. Uh, not sure our schedule for airing next week. Uh, the Jazz play on the 27th in L.A., uh, and so I might drop one for you somewhere around there, and then we play the 29th uh, against Philly. So there'll, there'll be an episode or two next week, but I'm not sure uh, how, how many, frankly. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I'll get something out, but it's not going to be every day uh, next week, and then we'll, we'll rev it back up. Uh, to start. Uh, For those of you that might be interested in advertising on this wonderful program, uh, we have inventory that opens up for you starting the first of the new year. We've been pretty full recently. Uh, You're welcome to join in and become a sponsor of the program, become part of the Locked On Jazz family by emailing me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Why would you want to do this? Well, you should do it because podcast listeners are more connected to sponsors uh, than any other media format. Recent studies have shown. And if your company wants a male audience, we're 97% male, and we're 72% between the ages of 18 and 44, and we're also right about 72% between the ages of 25 and 54. If those are your people, come join us and sponsor uh, Locked on Jazz. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. D-L-O-C-K-E-D-L-O-C-K-E D-L-O-C-K-E at 09 at gmail.com. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Jamalto, Dan Spence, and the crew uh, helping you with data protection. And we'll tell you more about that along the way. Well, this uh, pin across the world is uh, one that why, uh, for those of you who are in the blogosphere, Laura's been very active over the years. So she says, I've listened, this is from Laura Thompson in Laguna Hills, California. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this is the same Laura Thompson. I think she writes a lot for Salt City Hoops and does some good work. So uh, I've listened to you since day one, but have uh, yet to send in a pin. This is way too long. Uh, so feel free to edit, trim, 
uh, as if you need to read on the podcast. See, this is it. I promise you this is the right one because she's, she writes, so she knows. Wait a second, I just wrote a novel. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, I'm a 34-year-old jazz fan who grew up and currently lives in Southern California. I grew up playing basketball and playing boys' leagues, probably why I love uh, whether you talk about your daughter and her love of sports. So on the playground, I was always John Stockton. When my friends were Magic or MJ, I collected baseball and basketball cards, poured over the stats on the back of the cards, which might explain why I dig stats. I advanced analytics pack, etc. I'm a huge jazz fan, thanks to my uncle Lyle Mason, who was a jazz team doctor for over 30 years. My dad wasn't around much growing up, so my uncles became father figure types for me, and Lyle's one of the best. He is, in fact. Uh, I knew I could call him anytime, talk jazz. We developed a really great relationship over the years. One time I was in Utah staying with my aunt and uncle to attend the general conference, and John Stockton called my uncle asking if he could check out his son who'd gotten hurt playing football that day. Lyle took me along. Stockton couldn't have been more gracious and kind, but my favorite part, he was wearing mid-thigh khaki shorts in October. It wasn't warm, and a red polo shirt. It was perfect, yes, because John did not wear anything that was not a solid color. Uh, my uncle, he rarely broke from that. Uh, my uncle retired a couple of years ago, is now serving his LDS church mission in the Dominican Republic. Well, that's good to know. I was wondering why I didn't see them. I was 15 when Stockton hit the shot. I called my aunt the next day, offered her money for a ticket, knowing all the other nieces and nephews were calling for two to a finals game, and flew to Utah and went to game three of the 97 NBA finals. I love this team right now. I uh, love the core we have, and I think we're going to be really great to watch over the next few years and hoping they can keep the pieces together and make a championship run again. Thanks for your work. Been listen- They've been what I listen to first thing in the morning every day for however many years. Um, that's cool. And then she mentions that she uh, gave uh, one of her articles at Salt City Hoops on the podcast m- many moons ago. So, well, I, I did probably give you props. Uh, so anyway, thank you. She has some nice words for me. I certainly appreciate that. That's very nice. That is Laura Thompson. Uh, from Laguna Hills, California. Send us your pin over the Christmas break or whatever. Take a minute. Share your story of how you became a jazz fan and where it is that you're tuning in to the show from. All right, let's get to our uh, tip-off story of the day. The jazz have a little offensive issue going on. Uh, obviously, he says. Uh, we were really rolling there for a while, and all of a sudden kind of uh, has dropped – has dropped a tiny bit. Uh, I, I'm not going to panic. Uh, I don't think it's anything of that sort, and we and we don't have a point. You know, we're playing without our some of our regular guys. But it's sometimes it's interesting to me when statistically it shows up and you can really just see it. Uh, and what it is is we're not getting to the rim right now. Uh, the amount of shots we're taking in the restricted area are, are far fewer. Um, than what we have been doing. Um, our offensive rating the last three games is 94 in the win to Memphis, 76. And then Sacramento was actually not terrible. 106 is pretty darn good. League average is 103. So uh, we got a little bit better uh, in that game. But if you dig deep a little bit here, uh, what you find out is that we took 18 shots in the restricted area against Memphis, 18 against the Warriors, and 20 against Sacramento, uh, we usually take about 32% of our shots in the restricted area. And when we were rolling, we were up at about 35% of our shots in the restricted area. Um, And these last three games, we've been at 27%, 24%, and 27%. So just very, you know, obviously we want to be a three-point shooting team. Uh, We've done that well. 
they're not falling right now. We actually have another really weird little offensive thing going on that I'll dig into in a second. Uh, but the uh, we're not getting to the rim quite the same way as we have before, and so that's worth keeping an eye on. Toronto is not a particularly good team at uh, keeping you off the rim or protecting the rim. Uh, in fact, why don't I give you exactly what that number is? Um, Toronto is 24th in the league in protecting shots at the rim and 23rd in the league at defending those shots. So tonight should be a night where the Jazz are able to get back uh, on top of the rim a little bit, and we'll see whether they can do that. The other one that's of interest uh, to me and uh, probably worth keeping a little bit of an eye on, and this probably has to do with some of the injuries, just the talent level. Um, There's some individuals that are particularly – there are culprits of this right now. But the Jazz offense is just doing a great thing, which is we take the eighth most amount of corner threes. And the reason I say it's a great thing is that the corner three should average about 1.15 points per shot. So if you kind of come down the floor and you think about it, restricted area is 1.2 points per shot. Anything in the paint, uh, non-restricted is about 0.8. Mid-range is 0.8. Corner three is 1.15, and above the break is 1.05. Okay, so obviously you want, and free throws are 1.4 something. So your first choice is to get to the line. Your second choice is to get to the restricted area. Your third choice is a corner three. Your fourth choice is an above the break three, and, and then the mid-range. Well, the Jazz do this well. Um, the Jazz take about the 15th most amount of shots in the, in right dead even on the restricted area, right on the number. And then they take the eighth most amount of threes, and they take the eighth most amount of corner threes. Uh, and so when you kind of look at the Jazz in regards to smart shots, they're ninth best in the league. So they do this very, very well. Here's the problem. We can't make a corner three. So of all weird things right now, on a pretty darn good shooting team, we're 26th in the league in shooting on corner threes. We're four percentage points lower than the rest of the league. We're 34%. It still makes it a a pretty darn good shot. But for us, it's a 1.02 points uh, rather than 1.14. So it's costing us about a point a game, which is, that's a lot. Uh, Some of it's the point guard play. Both Dante and Shelvin are really, really poor from the corner three right now. I think Shelvin's 2 of 14, and um, I could pull up Dante. Uh, He is, by the way, if you did not hear, Dante is going to be out for at least a week, uh, and then reevaluated. Uh, Dante's 6 of 28 on corner threes. Shelvin Mack is 2 of 14 on corner threes. So those two are a large part of it. But Joe Johnson, who's a great corner three shooter, is actually not making corner threes. Joe Ingles, who's a great corner three shooter, is not making corner threes. Um, so the Jazz, as a group, are just not hitting the corner three as well. So those two things kind of are worth uh, taking a look at. Uh, Rudy continues to dominate games. Uh, a note I like that I have found uh, over the recent days, looking at some of these same data points that I've built, uh, is what Rudy is doing defensively. Uh, again, remember the restricted area teams shoot, shoot point six. They shoot 60%. Uh, the league average right on it, 60%, so 1.2 points per shot. In our last six games, five of our last six opponents – have shot below 50% at the rim. Five of our last six opponents 
have shot below 50% at the rim. That's Rudy. It's also having Faves back, by the way, as the backup center. Um, that's really incredible. Uh, the best in the, we're the best in the league at 53.8. So to keep people below 50 is 10 percentage points below average. That's saving us. Uh, that's saving us a lot. Uh, you know, the average team's probably taking 20, 25 shots a night in the restricted area. So, uh, yeah, pr- right about there. 25 point. You know, so we're we're saving. You know, teams are shooting probably somewhere. We're saving over 0.2 points per shot 25 times a night. Uh, that's that's five points. That 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 that's special. That's going to win you a lot of basketball games. That's that's game changing in a way offensive players aren't. Uh, it's where we don't quite still value the defensive player. Uh, if you think of a point, by the way, a point traditionally is about 2.7 wins per game. That's that's how it comes out. About 2.7 wins, excuse me, 2.7 wins per season. Uh, we play the Raptors tonight. They are the most incredibly balanced team I've ever seen. They're the number one offensive team in the league right now. We'll dig into why and pack Friday here in a second. But these numbers are great. They're seventh in the league in shooting in the restricted area. They're the second best team shooting in the paint non-restricted area. They're the tenth best team shooting in the mid-range. They're the eighth best team at shooting a corner three, and they shoot the above the break three at 40%. They don't shoot a lot of them. They don't, they're not high volume. They shoot the above the break three at 40%. They don't shoot low volume. I mean, they're 22nd in the league. They take 28.5% of their shots as threes. If you dig a little deeper on Toronto and you look at their four factors, uh, and this is what Kevin Pelton talked about in the podcast. They are the fourth best shooting team. They're the second best team in the league at getting the line. They're the seventh best offensive rebounding team. And they're the second best team at taking care of the ball in the league. And it leads to a historically great offense. It'll be pretty interesting to watch. And Kyle Lowry, as you'll soon find out, is the hottest offensive player in the NBA. Today's show is brought to you by Jamalto. Dan Spence and the guys at Jamalto, nice to have them aboard. It's been actually really interesting for me. So we all hear about data. Data's the new gold. Everyone's trying to steal data. So what do you do? Well, obviously, you've got to set up a huge perimeter and make sure no one ever gets into your company and breaks it. Well, that's what everybody's been doing for the last years, few years. It doesn't work. There's a breach every 41 seconds. Reports reveal that data breaches increased 15% compared to the last six months of 2015 and the first six months of 2016. Okay, so that's not working. So stop spending your money doing what's not working and figure out the answer. Well, that's what Jamalto has done. Jamalto is a global leader in digital security, bringing trust to an obviously difficult world, connected world to trust in. They deliver a vast range of technologies, they services to businesses, governments, organizations. How do they do it? Well, they protect you once the breach happens. So they encrypt your data. That's number one. And your intellectual property. They then secure and manage crypto keys to make sure that you have the right people have access and that you're limiting certain people to get to where they need to. And then the third one is you're making so you can secure across the enterprise from networks and systems to mobile devices internally, externally. So you're controlling access points and protecting identities. 
It's Jamalto. Dan Spence is the regional sales manager in Utah. If your company needs help, Dan can help you outside of Utah as well. Call 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. Dan Spence and Jamalto. 801-540-3024. Put it on the 2017 budget in the final days of 2016. All right, let's dig into Pack Friday. Here are the fun little pack numbers. Let's go for the season. Your number one offensive player in the NBA right now is Kevin Durant. Your number two offensive player in the league is a slumping, he is actually, Steph Curry. Your number four offensive player in the NBA is Kyle Lowry. Your number five offensive player in the league is James Harden. I know, I left out number three. Your number six offensive player is Kevin Love. Your number seven is Dame Lillard. Your number eight, amazingly, is <coughs> excuse me, amazingly, is LeBron James. Your number nine is Isaiah Thomas. Your number ten is Giannis Antetokounmpo, and your number eleven is Kawhi Leonard. And those eleven make perfect, perfect sense to you. So then, if number three is a bit of a surprise. It probably should make sense to you, too. And it's Rudy Gobert. Pack is calculated as the points per game above average that you create. Okay? Points above average you create on a per-game basis. So when Kevin Durant, remarkably, uses his 20 scoring opportunities a game, he scores 4.3 points more than the average player in the league would if, with those 20 possessions. Rudy Gobert, on nine scoring opportunities a night, scores three points more than the average player in the NBA. Only Steph Curry at 3.7 and Kevin Durant at 4.3 is better. George Hill would be in this group if he played enough games he no longer qualifies. Pretty incredible. Here are some other names of interest. Miles Turner is at 1.8. Anything over two. two usually we've got three guys over three. That's exactly what we have right now with Rudy being one of them. And then we usually have about seven to nine guys that are over two. We have 12 right now. Uh, and then uh, anything over one is really just terrific. So running through some of those. Jay Crowder in Boston's at 1.6. I find that a little interesting, by the way, because for all the talk of Gordon to Boston, it would probably mean they lose Jay Crowder, and I'm curious. I mean, Jay Crowder, Gordon seemingly is better than Jay Crowder, but that's it's worth noting. Uh, Eric Gordon in Houston's at 1.6. He's a huge part of their success. Uh, Clint Capella's at 1.5. I thought this was interesting. Anthony Davis versus Carl Anthony Towns. Great debate, right? Anthony Davis is at 1.5. Excuse me. Carl Anthony Towns. Searching, 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 searching. Point four. So Cat not having nearly as good a year uh, this year as he did when he was a top ten offensive player. It's why I thought they were going to battle for the playoffs. It's because I thought his offense was so good it would carry him. He's actually gone uh, the other direction, uh, which is a little surprising. C.J. Miles having a very good very good year in Indiana. Uh, 
by the way, at 1.2. Gordon Hayward's at 1.1. Exact same as DeMar DeRozan tonight. The same from uh, DeMar uses far more possessions, 25, or scoring opportunities, 25 a night to Hayward's 19. The, uh, they, this does not count turnovers, by the way, and they, Gordon turns it over 10.4% of his possessions to Rosen 9.6, so about the same. They both go to line the same amount. It's interesting. If Gordon used possessions at the same rate DeRozan did and scored 29 a game, I wonder how he'd be thought of. It's really interesting. They're both exactly the same efficiency. In fact, if Gordon used more, he'd have a higher pack. Gives you credit uh, for that. Uh, rookies, Joel Embiid is at .7. And then trying to find the next, Will Her- uh, Hernan Gomez, the center in New York, is probably next at .6. And then trying to find another first-round draft pick uh, rookie could take you all day. Trying to find uh, San Antonio's uh, point guard, La, La Provitiella, whatever it is. Uh, that was wrong. Uh, is actually positive. He's And so is Toronto's rookie, uh, who's playing, is positive. And then the interesting one to me is a first, or I guess Pascal's a first-round draft pick, but also Juan Hernan Gomez at Denver's pretty good. Worst offensive players in the NBA. The worst offensive players in the NBA. Dun-dun-dun. Dion Waiters, who has not played in a little while, holds that. Kent Bazemore in Atlanta. Rajon Rondo. Nikolai Vukovic. Wow, that's, <clears throat> he doesn't bring you a lot of much defense either. Manuel Moutier, Zach Randolph, Brandon Ingram. Don't worry about rookies when they're on this. Marcus Smart. That's disconcerting if you're Boston. Andrew Harrison, Memphis. Ish Smith, Detroit. Samaji Christian, Oklahoma City. Frank Kaminsky. That could begin to get a little unnerving. Devin Booker. For all the love of Devin Booker, minus 1.5. Josh Richardson, Mario Hazonia, all mostly young players. Sergio Rodriguez, Jordan McRae. Robert Covington, Luel Dang, Josh McRoberts, Derek Williams, Brandon Wright, Wade Baldwin, Matt Barnes, Markeith Morris, Dario Saric. It's all right. Again, young you know rookies, don't worry about it. Denzel Valentine's on this right here. Buddy Heald's right here. So a lot of a lot of the youngsters. Uh, just not a good great year for them. Uh, again, nobody's under three though, so nobody's as bad as the good players are good. And there's only six players that are more than minus two. Uh, Let's go to the Utah Jazz for the season, and then we'll uh, look at some other teams and take your questions as well. Uh, So the Utah Jazz, the best is obviously um, Rudy Gobert. George Hill, when he was playing, was, you know, ridiculous. He would be the third best offensive player in the league right now. Actually, he'd be tied with Steph, I think. Uh, Rudy is two. Gordon Hayward is three. Joe Ingles is four. With the... Neto, Ballenboy, Joe Johnson's dead even. Rodney is a below-average offensive player. Rodney Hood is a minus .2. Not by a lot, but the seven free throw percent of his possessions or free throw attempts is, is the area he has to improve on. We say this every Friday. Boris Dio is minus .2. Shelvin Mack is minus .4. Dante's minus .5. Derek Favors is minus .7. And Trey Lyles is minus 0.9. That's a lot of negative players for the Jazz. We talked last week about you got to get all these guys back up to positive to really be great. Um, 
Boris is probably heading in that direction. Shelvin, I don't know if he'll – I'm not sure if that's who he is. Um, Faves has got to get there, should be able to get there. And Trey Lyles is – the shooting woes 30 games in is a lot. I'm surprised. A little surprised that that's still going. All right, let's check the last 10 games. The number one offensive player by a, just a ton is Kyle Lowry, who we're going to see tonight. A ton. Uh, 6.3 is his pack rating. Number two is Rudy Gobert at 4.8. Some interesting names in here. Third is Nikolai Jokic, Denver. Had a good week. Played eight games. Isaiah Thomas has only played six of the ten games. He was great, 4.1. That's why Boston has taken off. LeBron, 3.6. Kevin Love is the sixth best offensive player, 3.5. Eric Gordon, 3.4. Gary Harris of Denver only played four games. was great. DeAndre Jordan, Lou Williams still continues. Dwight Howard, C.J. McCollum tearing it up. James Harden, 2.6. Clay Thompson, 2.6. Paul Millsap playing great. Giannis Adetokounmpo, Miles Turner, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, Nick Young back has played six games. Kevin Durant, 2.1. Steph Curry, 2.1. That's low for them. Kawhi Leonard, 2.1. Stephen Adams, Marco Bellinelli, Zach Levine, Dennis Schroeder in Atlanta, Kenneth Freed, uh, are all wrap up the final bit there uh, of players. Uh, anyone of just kind of right under that two level of high that kind of jumps out name wise? Uh, Jabari Parker, Austin Rivers playing well. Gordon Hayward at one point five uh, were some of the names I kind of noticed. Alan Crabb playing well in Portland, shooting well. Uh, otherwise, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith in Dallas one point one. So. Very good defense player and surviving offensively right now along the way. Uh, let's look down at the worst offensive players in the last 10 games. Uh, Got to do a real game search. Can't get the guys that have only played you know two games. Uh, so greater than five. Zach Randolph is uh, the least good offensive player in the NBA right now to minus 4.3. Justin Hamilton, Utah product. Uh, Kent Bazemore stays there. Andrew Harris in Memphis. Terry Rozier in Boston. Brandon Ingram really scuffling. Josh Richardson, Matt Barnes, Rajon Rondo, Jamichael Green, Drew Holiday. Interesting. Kristaps Przingis. Kristaps Przingis. Last 10 games, 38% from the field, 37% from three. Score line 10% of the time, but still minus 2.3. Frank Kaminsky minus 2.3. Ish Smith, Isaiah Cannon, Blake Griffin was struggling before the injury. Devin Booker, we've mentioned, sticks in here. Julius Randle's come back to life, as have the – and Anthony Davis. Wow. Anthony Davis, last 10 games, shooting 44%. Didn't didn't see that coming. Uh, any other names surprised? Bought Detroit's Tobias Harris struggling. LaMarcus Aldridge struggling, minus 1.5 the last 10 games. Uh Doug McDermott, Dwayne Wade, both in Chicago, below. Carl Anthony Towns, minus 1.1 recently. Russell Westbrook, last 10 games, minus 1.1. So interesting. All right, let's go do the Jazz last 10 games, and then we'll take some questions for a few minutes before we end this. Rudy Gobert for the last 10 games, 4.8. Sorry, got to clear some filters. Uh, Joe Ingles. With his great three-point shooting, his second-best, most impactful offensive player on the Jazz at 
Gordon Hayward at 1.5. Boris Diaw at 0.7. So he's got it going. Shelvin Mack's positive for the last 10. He might get it up there. Dante was positive for the last 10. Good for Dante. Uh, Jeff Withy minus 0.1. Ball and Boy point, minus 0.1. Neto minus 0.2 favors. Last 10 getting it close to minus 0.4. Joe Johnson minus 1.2 the last 10 games. And Rodney Hood minus 1.5 the last 10 games. Actually, last seven for him. He hasn't played all of them. Uh, and Trey Lyles continues to, as we talked about, to scuffle at minus 1.8. So that's where the Jazz stand. Let's see if any questions came in on the on the Twitterverse. I was going to check Paul George versus Gordon Hayward. I always like that comparison. I just, there's a volume issue that hurts Gordon. But De, that DeRozan was interesting. Uh, you look at DeRozan and Hayward, and everybody would say that DeRozan's a much better offensive player. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not sure that that's actually true. Um, so let's look here. Uh, Gordon Hayward is 1.1. Demar Derozan is 1.1. Paul George is a 0.8. Paul George is using 19 scoring opportunities a night. So is Hayward, and Derozan's 24.5 along uh, the way. Uh, DeRozan goes to free throw line 14% of his possessions. Gordon Hayward goes to free throw line 14% of his possessions. Paul George goes to the free throw line 8% of his possessions. Well, but Gordon turns it over more than these other guys. Hayward turns it over 10% of his possessions. DeMar DeRozan turns it over 9.6. Gordon's 10.4. DeRozan's 10.6. Paul George is 13% of his possessions. Hmm. This doesn't count turnovers either. That's interesting. Why, that's interesting. Paul George averages 22.7 rebounds, three assists. DeRozan averages 28.5 and one. And Hayward averages 22.6 and four. Hmm. Interesting. After Gordon's recent late game failures, somebody's out there saying... Right, but late game, those guys are so much better. You know what? Legit. Let's find out. I have no idea. I have not checked this. I was asking. I was the one asking the question right there. Let's check. Demar Derozan, late game, controlled, able to go to the basket, able to play in the mid range. Final five minutes of a close game this year. He's shooting forty eight percent. Pretty impressive. Last year, he shot 40%. The year before, he shot 39%. It has no threes. Okay? Uh, let's, look at, let's look at Paul George. Should we write that one down? Did anybody, anybody out there write that down? 48. He was 39, 40, and then 48 this year with no th- effective field goal percentage at all. Okay? Paul George. In the clutch, final five minutes of a close game. We can go down the last two minutes. That's where Paul, you know, that's where Paul George with his incredible length and his athleticism. This is where Paul George should be better. Uh, we can look at that in a second. Let's look at the last five minutes of a close game. Paul George uh, shooting 56% this year on five of 11 from three. That is awesome. That, looks, that might be the best in the league. Uh, previous year, he was at 37%. Previous year before that, full season, he was at 37%. 
with 31 from three. So prior to this year, Paul George was 37-31, and this year he's on fire. That's awesome. Gordon Hayward. Let's go look at Clutch, final five minutes. Gordon Hayward, four, uh, this year is 29% field goal percentage and 14% from three, struggling in the final five minutes. The year before, 43 and 28% from three, so he was better than both George and DeRozan last year. Prior year, 40% and 29% from three. He's right about even then with Paul George on effective field goal percentages. I do it in my head. Maybe a little ahead, actually, because he was three percentage points better on field goal percentage, and he was one, basically one three off the same on... Uh, if he'd hit one, been seven of 21, he would have actually been better than Paul George. So that's one three differential. Uh, and DeMar DeRozan, he is better because DeRozan. So this year uh, in the clutch, those guys are better. Past years, Hayward was better. Final two minutes, which is where I think Gordon sometimes lacks the pure athleticism to go make some of these plays. Last year, uh, Gordon Hayward was 41% with two threes uh, and 28, two of eight. Uh, the year before, he was 39%, and this year he's 29%. Let's check DeRozan and Paul George while we're at it. Uh, this is really stimulating radio, isn't it? I, I guess we're not really on radio, but uh, hopefully you're not bored. I, think this, I find this interesting. I, I think this is an interesting... Well, it also shows you one thing, what I try to say all the time, is it's just so hard to score late in games. You know, just no one's numbers are great. Uh, DeRozan uh, last year was 36% with no threes. Did go to the line a good deal. The year before he was good, 46%. This year he's really good, 53%. So last year Gordon was better the year prior. DeMar was better. This year DeMar is better. And then our go back to our final check of Paul George is having a great clutch year. And what do we find? Here we go. Paul George last year shot 26% in the late game. One of 15 from three. Prior year, he, he's healthy, shot 31%. And 23% from three. And this year he's been great. 53%. So, uh, I don't know. I think that's interesting. I'll leave it at that. I'm not saying who's better. I'm not going to make something. I don't think the separation is big, as big as the league likes to think it is. Um, all right. Um, where do you find pack for the league? Uh, Packed for the league, by definition, is zero. Chris, he's tried to look it up, and he can't find it. Well, it's because it's proprietary, and I don't use, um, I don't share that. Golden State Warriors pack versus previous All-Star teams. Oh, that's interesting. I don't have that handy, but we could look that up. I mean, the interesting one is Toronto is this historically great offensive team, and so you try to figure out, like, well, how are they doing it? And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Lowry's 2.8. Uh, Babay is 1.3. Terrence Jones, 1.2. That's a lot to have this many guys over one. DeRozan, 1.1. Norman Powell, 1.1. Valanchunas, 0.8. Their negatives are Bruno, Corey Joseph, 
uh, Patrick Patterson and Jakob Pertl. They're pot. They have a thing um, that I love, which is that they are positive with every player off the floor. Um, Giannis Adedukumbo is the request, uh, and I think as I mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned. Did I mention Gian- Giannis is the uh, Durant's one, Curry's two. Rudy's three, Lowry's four, Harden's five, Love's six, Dame's seven, LeBron's eight, Thompson's nine, Giannis is 11. Westbrook and Oladipo comes the question. Uh, Russell Westbrook is negative .2 pack. Chew on that for a second. Oladipo is even. Cantor and Adams are the positives on that team. Everybody else is even or negative. Jeff Teague versus, oh, this is a good one. Jeff Teague again versus Dennis Schroeder. Uh, all right, they were traded. Basically, the trade was I- Atlanta choosing to have Jeff Teague, uh, Tr- Dennis Schroeder instead of Jeff Teague. Dennis Schroeder is a .1 pack player, and Jeff Teague is a negative .1 pack player. So they're basically the same. Uh, the difference between the two is that Teague's going to line 14% of his possessions. Schroeder's going to line 7% of his possessions. Teague should be more sustainable because of that. That wraps it up. Those are great questions. Thank you all very much. Um, Appreciate you tuning in. Have a great holiday. Enjoy the family. Uh, Again, anybody in the military listening to this, thank you very much for your service during the holidays. And anybody out there who uh, is a you know, spouse, partner of a military member. Uh, you know, really tribute to you to holding down the fort uh, while your your spouse is is off. Uh, really, just that's uh, uh, that's incredible duty to our country. So, uh, and evidently we're now in an, in an arms race. So, um, as of this morning, so uh, hopefully, hopefully those times aren't. Uh, uh, aren't more stressful. All right, that is the that is the edition of Locked on Jazz. Have a wonderful holiday season. Appreciate you very much, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll 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 check back in sometime next week. Thanks. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.